Let us now read together what we confess in the Heidelberg Catechism in Lord's Day 48. There we find God's word summarized as follows. What is the second petition? Your kingdom come, that is, so rule us by your word and spirit, that more and more we submit to you. Preserve and increase your church. Destroy the works of the devil. Every power that raises itself against you and every conspiracy against your holy word. Do all this until the fullness of your kingdom comes, wherein you shall be all in all. After the sermon, we will sing together from hymn 5 to stanzas 2, 3, and 4. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters, and that includes you boys and girls, have you read or listened to the news lately? Was there any mention of the kingdom of God? Did you find anywhere in the newspapers or here in the newscasts any direction as to how to conduct yourself within God's kingdom? Was God's rule over all things mentioned at all? No, instead we read and heard about other things, such as what is happening in China with regard to the earthquake, and in Burma concerning the aftermath of the cyclone. We also read about the rising gas prices, and the ups and downs of Canadian and American politics. And we read about the turmoil in the Middle East and the shenanigans going on in those countries run by dictators. But nothing about God's kingdom, did we? Nothing about God's rule. It is as if God does not exist. It is as if God is not king. The world conducts its affairs without acknowledging the fact that God is the one who rules everything and that he wants to rule in the hearts of mankind. Now, why do you think that is? Why do you think God's rule is not mentioned? Well, that is because this world is in the grip of Satan. It is because, as Paul says in his letter to the Thessalonians, Satan is deceiving those who are perishing. We live in the midst of such a world. How do we conduct ourselves in such a world? What can be done in order to change this? Well, although the prince of this world is Satan, God is in control. He rules, and he is going to bring this world to a glorious end. That's our comfort. But that does not mean that now we throw up our hands and leave it all in God's hands. No, The catechism this afternoon makes clear that God gives us a role as well. Although he is king, he also wants to be acknowledged as king. He wants his rule to be proclaimed. The theme for this afternoon's sermon is as follows. God wants to be king. 
First of all, in your life. Secondly, in the church. And then thirdly, in all of creation. I will state that once again. The theme is, God wants to be king. First of all, in your life. Secondly, in the church. And then thirdly, in all of creation. What is one of your heart's desires? If you are anything like me, then you will want this world to change radically. You want to get rid of all the evil that you see all around you, the evil that you hear about in the newscasts, the gangs that are shooting it out in the streets, the rapists, the child molesters, the parents who abuse their children, the evil institutions that hang on to power no matter what. We want to get rid of them all. And we want to eradicate the evil that is happening all over the world at the hands of ungodly men. We want all men to repent and to listen to God's word. And that is a good desire. But in thinking like that, let's not be like the militant environmentalists, for example and the proclaimers of peace who point fingers everywhere except at themselves. There are, for example, many celebrities who have jumped on the environmentalist bandwagon, but who in their own lives do not act as they expect others to act. And you have the rock stars who croon about peace and love, but who in their own lives are not, are not very loving or peaceful. Oh, sure, they are sincere, yet they're far off the mark. If you want anything to change with regard to God's kingdom, then you first of all have to begin with yourself. And that's the beauty of the Heidelberg Catechism. It's very personal. It makes us take a look at ourselves. Look at what it says in this Lord's Day. The first word of explanation about God's kingdom is that when we pray, your kingdom come and then we pray first of all that God rules us by his word and spirit and that more and more we submit to him for as you know this Lord's day deals with prayer we are to we are taught how to pray and what to pray And as we saw last week, you first pray in order to hallow God's name. In your prayer, you acknowledge that God is the creator and sustainer of all things. After that, you pray about God's kingdom. That's what the second petition is about. That you want God's rule to be established here on this earth. And then you do not just pray with the criminal elements of society in mind or the ruthless dictators, but then you first pray for yourself. Let's face it, we are not such obedient citizens of the kingdom. Oh sure, we are considered to be citizens of God's kingdom, but that is not our own doing. Of ourselves, we are not such obedient citizens. We break God's laws all the time. Earthly kingdoms have some of the same laws as God's kingdom. You may not steal, you may not murder, you may not bear false witness, etc. But God's commands are much more radical. 
They are much more comprehensive. For God tells us that we must love God and that we must love our neighbor as ourselves. You have not heard of any such laws in any earthly kingdom. And that brings the rules of inclusion in God's kingdom to a new height. And it is for that reason that we need to pray earnestly to make us obedient citizens of God's kingdom. And therefore we have to pray to God, O Lord God, your kingdom has to come. Your rule has to be established all over this creation. But your kingdom, first of all, has to be established in my heart. And therefore, so rule me by your word and spirit. So that more and more, I submit to you. That is to say, teach me to listen more carefully to your word and to your laws. Work in my heart with your Holy Spirit so that each time I come before a choice that I will choose to do the right thing. Choose to do that what you require. Teach me not to be enslaved to the sinful desires of the flesh. Teach me not to be swept along with the world and its ungodly ambitions. Teach me to see the eternal riches that you give us. And make it so that others may see in my life that I am indeed a citizen of your kingdom. And if that is how you pray, and if that is how your attitude, that is when you will be an effective instrument in God's hand. If you pray in this way for the coming of God's kingdom, then your prayer will also be for the church. That brings us to the second point. It's true that we cannot equate the church with God's kingdom. For example, angels are also citizens of God's kingdom, but they do not belong to the church. God's kingdom is much wider than the church. Yet the church and God's kingdom are closely connected. For it is in the church where the rules of God's kingdom are proclaimed. It is in the church where we are taught that God rules everything. In the church, the glorious gospel of God's kingdom is proclaimed. That was stated already way back when in Lord's Day 31, we guard the case of the kingdom. There we were taught on the basis of God's word that the keys of the kingdom has been, have been given to the church. One of those keys is the proclamation to everyone who believes that God's kingdom has been opened for them. In the church, we hear the wonderful message that as long as we believe, God really has forgiven our sins for Christ, that he has really forgiven our sins for, in, on the basis of Christ's merits. That's a glorious message. If you want God's rule to be established in your heart, then you will want to be under the preaching. Then you will want the church of the Lord Jesus Christ to flourish. The proclamation of the gospel is such an enormously important task given to the church. In church, we pray that we and all men must submit themselves to God's rule. And therefore, in our prayer, we need to pray as well that God's word also goes out into all the corners of the world. And then we have to do more than just pray. We also have to support it in every way that we can, financially, 
God wants his work to be proclaimed. He wants it proclaimed not only abroad, but also here at home. And that is why the work of mission is so important. When we pray for the coming of God's kingdom, then we do not just pray that God's word may be proclaimed here from this pulpit, but also outside of the walls of this church. There has to be a strong desire for us to speak to others about God's rule. And so let me ask you, is that also the case with you? Is that your desire? And does that show? Do you know what happens to a bottle of Coca-Cola after you have vigorously shaken it and taken the top off? Then the Coke is going to spray all over, isn't it? You can't contain it in the bottle. The pressure forces it out. Well, that's also the way it should be with the gospel that lives within you. That glorious gospel of salvation should burst out from you. There should be such pressure inside of you that you cannot help but bring it out. And the same thing is true of the church. We cannot contain the glorious message of the gospel within the walls of the church. That glorious message has to go out. It has to go out beyond these walls. It has to go out to all those who are currently not part of God's rule. And it is in this way that God, as it says in the Catechism, wants to increase his church. But not only does the church need to be increased, the church also needs to be preserved, as the Catechism says. That's why the church has been given another key, namely the key of discipline. God has given a glorious task to the church that she may shut out all those who do not want to acknowledge God as supreme in their lives. As long as the church conducts herself on the basis of God's word, then the church has been given great power. And therefore it is important that we also pray for the preservation of the church. For did you know that if there is no longer a faithful church here on earth, that then the earth will cease to exist? This world cannot exist without the church. For the world exists for the sake of the church, which is the bride of Christ. God wants to increase his church until he becomes all in all. In a moment we'll see what that means. For now, however, we have to realize that there is still so much evil in this world and that there is a great resistance to the establishment of God's kingdom. The last few weeks we have seen the great devastation in the country, such as Burma, when a cyclone hit there, and with the earthquakes in China, tens of thousands of people have died and hundreds of thousands are homeless. And these are what man calls natural disasters. There is also much pain and suffering that comes at the hands of man. Just think of how cruel man can be. It was Satan's intent from the very beginning to break apart and destroy everything that God has made. He is also out to destroy you. And that is why he persuaded Adam and Eve to rebel against God. He did that because he hated God. And we see his hatred all around us. 
And Satan is busy to this very day trying to destroy God's creation. Every second of each day, Satan is busy trying to think of ways to thwart the final completion of God's kingdom. He tries that in your life, in my life. He tries to do that in our marriages. He tries to do that in our children. He tries to do that in our schools. And he tries to do that in the church. He tries to do that all over the world. It is his aim to destroy. And don't think that he does that only by making life miserable for you. He also wants to destroy God's rule in your heart and in your life when everything is going well with you. In 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 10, we read that he uses every sort of evil to deceive us. You see, it is Satan's aim to present different things differently than they are. He wants you to believe the lie. He wants to lull you asleep. And he is very clever about it. He makes it all look innocent and good even. Isn't that also how he tempted Adam and Eve? And then slowly but surely he wants to draw you away from God. And even though you go to church regularly, read the Bible and pray, it is still possible that little by little the devil gets you in his grip. For he knows how to conquer your heart. He plays on your feelings of anger and resentment, for example. He wants you to be bitter. He wants you to be disillusioned. He wants you to be angry. He wants you to think that you're always getting the short end of the stick. He wants you to think that people are out to get you. He wants you to think that you are getting a raw deal. Even though the Lord God is blessing you in many, many ways. And often we fall for it, don't we? And that's why we constantly have to be shaken awake. Wake up. And how do you stay awake? By listening to God's word. By being regularly under preaching. By constantly praying for God's strength and wisdom and insight. By humbling yourself. By asking God to help you as you you deal with the daily challenges of life. He wants you to regularly meditate on God's word and what that means for you you need to be constantly reminded of the ways and the wiles of the evil one so that you may be reminded of what God's will is do not let anyone mislead you beware of Satan's tactics even when you're busy with God's word be on your guard For Satan can even convince you that certain parts of the Bible do not apply to you or that other parts should have been added. Don't forget that he also used God's word in order to, that Satan also used God's word in order to tempt the Lord Jesus. Satan quoted Psalm 91, stating that if he is the son of God, God's angels will minister to him every step of the way. In other words, don't be afraid. Just do as I say. For he was implying that God would help him even if he listened to the devil. Thereby implying that God would also help him no matter what. 
He tempted the Lord Jesus in a very weak moment after he had been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. But the Lord Jesus knew the scriptures. Satan was quoting out of context. He was abusing God's word. And so he can also fool you and me. Is it really true that I have to forgive someone seven times, 70 times? And doesn't the time come and we are done with forgiving others? And so we give up on others. And we think that we have God's permission. Or we make excuses for ourselves and say, it's not all that bad what I've done. After all, I'm a sinner, aren't I? Time and again, we rob God's word of its power. For we listen to the devil, to our own flesh, and to the world before we listen to God's word. And that is why the prayer about the coming of God's kingdom is such an urgent one. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says that the end will come at which time Christ will will come over the kingdom, will destroy the kingdom of and will give it handed over to God the Father. But that will happen only after he has destroyed Satan and everything he stands for. It is only then when God will be all in all. We come to the third point. What does that mean, that God will be all in all? Well, that means that the whole world will be subject to him. When John the Baptist began his ministry, he pointed to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ by saying that the Jews and the whole world must repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. He implied thereby that the coming of the kingdom would find its fulfillment with Christ. And indeed, that did happen. Christ established God's rule on earth. He did that when he defeated the evil one. He did that when he fulfilled the law. He did that when he ascended into heaven and sat down triumphantly at the right hand of God. He did that when he did all these things for our sakes. But the Lord Jesus also taught us to pray for the coming of God's kingdom. You might say that's a contradiction. How can God's kingdom have come with Christ and then still be coming? You wouldn't say that about the arrival of the school bus either, would you? You wouldn't say that the school bus is already here and at the same time that the school bus is still coming. That would be ridiculous. Either the school bus has arrived or it hasn't. But with God's kingdom, that is different. God's kingdom will not be manifested in its full glory until the second coming of Christ. It is only then when we will experience the fullness of God's kingdom. It's true that Satan has been defeated. But as Paul says in 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 6, God is holding him back. If he weren't doing that, then we would be lost. But God is holding, holding Satan back so that he may be revealed at the end of the age, Paul says. Right now, Satan can only exercise his influence so far and no further. He's like a vicious dog on a chain. He can only reach so far. But stay away from him. Don't enter his territory. Know that you are safe if you stay outside of the area of his control. 
And that is also the way it is with the evil one. But we are looking forward to the day when the fullness of God's kingdom will be established all over this world. Vicious Satan will have been eradicated altogether. He will have been banished from God's kingdom. And that will happen when the lawless one will be revealed. That happens on the day when the Lord Jesus will banish Satan and his dominion forever with the breath of his mouth. And what a glorious day that will be. And what a powerful prayer the Lord Jesus has given us to take upon our lips. We may pray for the coming of God's kingdom in the certainty that God's kingdom is already here and that it is still coming. It is here for those who are humble citizens of God's kingdom through faith. And it is going to be established over this whole earth for God will be all in all. Everything that is not subject to God's rule will cease to exist in his sight. And then the purity of God's kingdom will be here. And so let us pray and work for God's kingdom. Amen.